Hi, I'm Joel Rollins, and this is a special edition of The Week on Rave Radio. In it, we address the topic of the current state of education in our industry, what we like about it, what we don't, as well as some of our thoughts about future needs. This all stems from an excellent article by Mark Coxon that was published in Rave on our blog a couple of weeks ago. Having spent nearly 30 years involved in education in our industry, it was a topic near and dear to my heart. So I asked Mark Coxon and my friend Gary Kay to join me in a discussion about these topics. Before going on to listen to this podcast, which we hope you will and hope you will participate in, you really should read the article that Mark wrote. There is a link to it on the page where you found this podcast. If I were you, I would pause this recording here and give it a quick read, as it is both well-written and sets the ground for the discussion you are about to hear. Before we go on, it's important to remember a few things. First, this is a portion of what will become a very long discussion. The three of us all feel that our industry is going through enormous changes and that it is time to examine them thoroughly as we make our plans for the future. Second, I would like you all to understand that this conversation cannot help but talk about Infocom as an association and its training because they are the preeminent association in our industry. Gary, Mark, and I are all longtime supporters of Infocom, and any discussion here of the positives and negatives of current programs are not intended as criticism of the association itself or its staff, simply our opinions, concerns, praise, and comments about current programs and our questions about the future. Comments made here in order to reduce this segment of this conversation to a podcast are portions of a session that lasted a couple of hours, so they are necessarily taken out of context. We have tried to leave the salient points in in order to foster a discussion about our direction as an industry. I would also like to note that this conversation comes at an apt time, following the exit of Melissa Taggart, Senior Vice President of Education from Infocom. Melissa is a person we all respect and like a great deal, and somebody I personally miss, despite the agita I know I must have caused her at times. This discussion is one that I have had on and off with Melissa for years, and I was always impressed with her ability to listen calmly, make decisions, and do what was right. I worked with Melissa from her very first day at Infocom, and was fortunate enough to teach for her again at her last institute. Even when she disagreed with me, which I know was often, she always made time to listen to others' opinions and consider them carefully. We all do miss you, Melissa. Anyway, for what it is worth, here is the first part of our conversation on the topic of education and training in our industry. We hope that others will join us on the blog. And with that, here is an excerpt from a recent conversation between myself, Gary Kay, and Mark Coxon. Mark, you wrote an article last week that just got me i mean i think i sat up half the night writing notes about what to say <laughs> about this because it's it's an issue that i've been uh, you know kind of tilting at windmills with for quite some time first sure. of all tell us what you wrote about and why where, where and what kind of brought it up i think is the big question well you know i've had a uh, i've kind of had a back and forth relationship with infocom over the last few years since i got into commercial um, I worked at a firm whose opinion was that we really didn't need it in-house, um, didn't need to carry CTS as a firm, and that if we needed it for a job, we'd just send somebody to go test for it. 
And then I went to a company like Milestone where we're all required to go get it. Um, and so last year I went and got CTS um, and passed my general. And I was, uh, you know, I was excited, you know, it was something new, some initials to add and some, some street cred that I finally went and got it, I guess. And uh, You already had street cred, Mark. <laughs> well, I, I think uh, for the people who had, who had told me, you know, how can you complain about it if you don't have it? Um, it gave me the ability to now um, say that I do have it and I am familiar with the process. And uh, so then I started to embark on looking into my D and my I. Kind of on the way to that, uh, you know, I'd always wondered what the true value of the initials were because unfortunately, um, out in the space, there are some companies that have CTS holders that do great work. And there are some companies out in the space that have CTS holders that do terrible work. And I had run into that. Exactly. Yeah. So I had run into that and, and I was really, you know, curious how maybe the program could be improved to, to carry some connotation of quality. Right. And part of that experiment was, well, I wonder how many people are renewing because for me, repeat customers was always the metric that mattered in AV, right? Like if we were doing a good job, somebody hired us over and over and over again. And that was proof that we did what we were supposed to do. And so I started trying to figure out what the retention rate was with CTS, which is what spurred my article. Um, and so over several months, we tracked the retention rate using Infocom's online tool um, for tracking CTS holders, which only gives did us about Infocom, a third of the data. So, Did Infocom actually have a retention rate figure already and you were checking it or they didn't have one so you went and found one? Well, initially we didn't, we couldn't find one that was reported and I didn't, I didn't reach out to ask for one. So we started tracking it and it was really, really low. And so instead of just going out and writing the story, I contacted Betsy at Infocom and asked her, you know, do you guys track retention rate? And she said they do. And she told me it was about 80% um, for 2014. And based on what we had going, we, I think at the time our rate was 42% 42% is what we were tracking for 2015. And it, it seemed like the numbers were fairly far off, which either indicated that, that there wasn't, that wasn't the real retention rate, which I didn't think was the case, or that for some reason it was dropping dramatically in two, 2015. And so we continued yeah, to track uh, that. Me, you, yeah, go ahead. Mark, I think it probably should be clarified. Uh, you're, you are using their online database um, to track current retention rates and, not, and they had not, to my knowledge, they haven't published a retention rate for 2015 yet. And you were comparing that to what the retention rate was for 2014, which which they said was, I think they said 80% or something like that. Yeah. Cor- correct. Yeah. So yeah, okay. so yeah we, definitely. And they won't they won't have a retention rate. Brad Bradded Brad Grimes at Infocom and related. They won't have one until probably May of 2016, um, because they do give a 120 day grace period for. CTS holders to, re, to uh, renew. So anyways, the whole thing um, really just raised a lot of questions about the tool, um, the tools that Infocom has, the way they track data, the way they allow you to search for CTS holders. Is every holder getting an equal um, chance at being visible in the system based on the way that they alphabetize and cut off at 100? And so I just wrote a piece kind of, um, I guess, describing all the different things that I found as we were going through this exercise. So, and it, it, uh, it got a lot of attention. So. What was your premise? I mean, what, what, what did you think you were going to find out and what did you? 
Give us a kind of overview. You know, I don't know that we had any. I, I have a friend who was helping me do the retention rates because honestly, I have a, a full time job and I I didn't have a lot of time to do that on my own. But uh, but you know, I had a friend that was helping with that. I don't think we really had a premise other than you know we wanted to see what that retention rate was tracking at um, because it didn't. It seemed like there were a lot of people that would get CTS and then fall out of the system. And so- if I can paraphrase from what I was reading in your article, which is, I think that the retention rate is quite low, and I think that we have a good reason to question the value of the CTS program. Um, yeah, based on the way that the retention rate was tracking for 2015, based on the data that I could get, which isn't the full data set, I'll continue to clarify that so nobody in Infocom gets upset. Um, but uh, based on that, yeah. And so it just raised a level of concern. Are we doing everything we can within CTS to make sure the people that get the credential, um, you know, find some value in it, number one, in getting more jobs um, for their AV firm, um, and number two, in professionally, um, you know, I guess, furthering their career, both in salary and in position. And, um, and as the end user, getting their promise of CTS when they hire a firm that touts it. So those were the main three things that I that I guess I took away from and the the uh, suggestions in the article that I made to maybe improve upon those things. Uh, Gary, by the way, and, and of course I I read your reply to Mark's article, and uh, you know talking about the value of industrial relations and industrial training. I mean, obviously we all share that passion here. I mean, I've talked with you guys a lot. So here's, you know, here's, Gary, though, one thing that you missed. The CTS program does not go back as far as you said it does. It goes back to 1986. Prior to that, the program was CMS, and it was a NAVA program. And that's why they changed it all in the mid-'80s. But going back that far, you and I did an enormous amount of bringing the CTS along, Gary. And one of the things that really, uh, you know, has changed since then, though, is when we were doing that and when we established the CTS in the 80s and 90s, we were an industrial group. We were a group of manufacturers and dealers that could offer industrial training. And that really has changed. So, Gary, why don't you tell us where you picked up on Mark's article? Um, well, the, uh, the reason why I didn't describe the change from CMS to CTS was that paragraph just didn't fit in my, <laughs> in my <laughs> so basically I just said, hey, the program had been around this long um, because uh, it, it really didn't fit. Like uh, then I'd have to go back and describe why the program changed its name and stuff. So I was just sort of like, yes, I was sort of saying that a certified um, educational program had been around within Infocom for that for that many years, and I wanted to make it clear that I wasn't the founder of it or a driver of its beginnings. I just happened to come in in the middle of the process. And along with you, Joel, you were already there, um, um, and Andre and Luke and people like that, and, and be asked to help uh, move it along. And, you know, I served on that Petsy committee for 12 years. I was the chairman for four of those 12 years. Um, I then became the, the chair of the CTSI and CTSD. And, you know, um, and you're right. I mean, all the content development, we helped in content development. We, we um, sort of recruited dozens of people, if not more than that, um, to help with deli- uh, development of content for all the programs, the basic CTS, the online CTS, uh, what eventually became the online CTS, uh, the CTSI, CTSD, was all driven by people inside the industry. Uh, and and it's, it was an interesting 
and, and Joel, you remember this. I mean, it was an interesting thing because what we were really good at doing is develop is is coming up with the content or the technical stuff that needed to be in there. What we were really bad at doing was presenting it in a way that could be understood by regular people or by people who didn't have that content. So we knew the content. We knew how to generate the question. Uh, we knew how to generate the information that you needed to learn, but we were not curriculum developers. And then along comes Infocom sort of over the 10 or 12 years hired some people who are excellent curriculum developers. And then the marriage of us together, meaning those of us who were industry, as you said, Joel, and those of us and, and then them who were curriculum developers made for like almost like a perfect storm in a way that everything kind of fell together in a very creative way. I remember the first day when I think Randy Lemke said, hey, why don't we put all this online? And we're like, whoa, we didn't even thought about that. We were just trying to put it in a, in a, in a manual, you know, and get it out so that people could, you know, fill in bubbles to answer questions and then, and, 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 and get some certification. Um, so I love being part of it. And, and my, uh, when I read Mark's thing, um, well, first of all, I wanted to understand, you know, myself, is that what, what difference does it make for him to have only a third of the data than versus the whole data? Why, for example, did Infocom not have access to the whole data? But, but well, or in this case, their database, the back end of their database is super freaking old. <laughs> and the problem that they have is it has limitations in what it can actually do. And it wasn't designed like I, I can see the scenario that because you and I went through this with Infocom. Like someone said, hey, we should put on we should put make it available online so people can find CTS holders. And then someone else says, well, how will it be searchable? Should it be searchable by, by last name? Should it be searchable? And then they just keep adding components to that. And then all of a sudden you're doing something that it wasn't meant to do. And, and that's what it is. And so therefore, you know, when, when uh, Infocom or whoever says that the tool wasn't meant to do this, I believe them. Um, the issue is, and to me, wasn't that like I, I whatever Mark Mark's uh, um, article was well documented, and he made it clear. Like I only had access to a third of the data. I wish I'd have had all the data because then I would have been able to give you his issue. I think that I thought what I read from his thing was not that his, his issue there was why is it this way, and how do we change this, and how do we make sure there's a value proposition for everybody in the future in CTS and. Thanks again for being with us, folks. Once again, I'm Joel Rollins for Rave Radio. We will be continuing this discussion both in podcasts and on our blog. Uh, so hit www.ravepubs.com, and I'll look forward to hearing what you think.